This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jared Murphy from City Limits. Welcome to Max and Murphy. We're here today with Paul Massey, Republican running for mayor. Mr. Massey, same as we've asked other candidates and we'll ask other candidates in the show, pretend we're in an elevator. Give us the elevator pitch for your candidacy. Yeah. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm running for mayor because we need new leadership. We had 20 great years of mayors uh, who were real leaders. And, uh, but I was in New York City for 10 years before that, and I've seen what ungoverned and unmanageable looks like in New York City. We'll get a mayor who's a failed manager, probably uh, to do with the fact that he lacks experience, but he's also an, an ideologue, an extremist. I think he wishes he was the president of the United States or the head of the progressive movement for the country, but that's not in the job description of mayor. I came here um, looking to get into the real estate business and ended up uh, being an overnight success after 26 years. I built a real estate business that was uh, selling buildings, financing buildings. But a, a neat thing about our business was that we were in every neighborhood. We thought going local would be a competitive advantage, and it turned out to be. So we had teams in Manhattan every 15 blocks. When we went out into uh, Queens and Brooklyn and Staten Island and the other parts of the city, the Bronx, we, uh, we had teams in every neighborhood, and we told those folks, sell buildings, finance buildings, but be community involved. So as the CEO of our business, I would travel around to the different communities in the, in the city, the different neighborhoods, so I know community leaders in every neighborhood, in every borough, which has been a great advantage in terms of campaigning and uh, a great advantage in terms of uh, how I'll run the city for every one of the, the, the people here. I think you... You should only take this job if you wanted to be the mayor of 8.5 million people. I also am grateful uh, when I came to New York City. I met my wife here. We've been married 29 years. We've got three fantastic kids. We've got a son, PJ, who's 27, uh, daughter Sarah and daughter Greta. They're 25 and 21, and they're here. They're living here. They're working here. So I'm the lucky dad. Uh, in that we've got them launched out of the apartment, but they're uh, they're nearby. Mm -hmm. So so it sounds like the two biggest things from what you just said that are sort of animating your campaign are one, you don't think Bill de Blasio is a good mayor, and two, you think you'd be sort of a return to a management mayor, you know, governing the city. Um, is that is that how you'd define it? Is that how you would say my campaign is based on I can manage the city better than Bill de Blasio? I'm the type of person that can really wrap its arms around this city government and make it function better than it has? Yeah, exactly. We, um, I always knew getting into this that this would be a referendum around the fact that he's done a poor job, and uh, it would be a referendum on my character and my ability to manage. In his case, he's incompetent. I don't know whether it's due to laziness or just lack of desire to do the job. I don't think he feels comfortable um, in the job. Uh, when have you ever seen a mayor who didn't seem happy? Every prior mayor loved the job. And um, he's also, with the, with the ideologue extremism, he's focusing on uh, that it's a tale of two cities. It's us against them, rich against poor. We're in New York because we embrace diversity, all of us, and we want to be here together. He, he promotes the opposite, and it's very dangerous rhetoric. He also um, has a very difficult time getting along with people. He hates the governor, uh, for example, and doesn't get along with a lot of people. But uh, unfortunately for us, 
Uh, we, need, we need a partnership with the state. We need a partnership with the governor. And I'm a consensus builder. Getting to me, I built a business. We, had, we were doing billions of dollars of transactions every year. We created jobs for hundreds and thousands of people over time. And I'm very, very proud of that. And we, uh, we had a company that was very disciplined, very systematized, uh, so the client service aspect of it was great. But within that disciplined organization was a culture of, uh, of great opportunity for people, while at the same time we had fun. Um, part of the, the, the formula of that culture was that I was a servant leader, meaning that Everyone felt like I worked for them as the CEO of the business, not the other way around. So imagine for a minute if City Hall is run by a servant leader. Imagine for a minute if there's a culture where people feel, felt respected and recognized. I especially am focusing on the fact that the mayor has a terrible relationship with our police and our firefighters and our uh, correction officers where they are special. They do deserve our recognition. Uh, above others because they're putting themselves out there in a meaningful way. I don't think the mayor gets that. I think we need a new mayor who's going to respect the police, respect their firefighters, and re really respect teachers and everybody who's working at City Hall. What do you see as the kind of on-the-ground, nitty-gritty evidence that de Blasio's management attitude relationship problems have made New York... Uh, a worse place to live or, or not as good a place to live as it could be. Uh, the mayor points to, you know, relatively low crime, good jobs numbers, other indications of a generally pretty good and improving quality of life. So what do you see as the evidence that we're not getting the management New York needs? Yeah, people are furious with this mayor. Uh, the, the mayor ignored our homelessness problem for three years until he had to do something about it or address it. And, and, you know, that's not proactive leadership. The mayor, to his core, is reactive. He waits till things uh, become toxic, then tries to deal with them, usually too late and usually ineffectively. So we've got a homelessness crisis out there. The evidence is there for everyone to see. The mayor's answer, he's going to eliminate 1% of homelessness over the next five years. That's the same thing as saying, I give up. He's got homeless people in shelters and motels all over the city, something he vowed not to do to eliminate the practice of. So again, it gets back to his reactionary uh, method. Is that something you have a plan on? Do you have a, you know, sort of, um, for lack of a better term, sort of like blitz plan of how we would, as a city, reduce those numbers much more drastically? Because I think a lot of people did react to his new iteration of a homelessness plan by saying, wow, that's pretty small reduction that and he even said this is this is you know we need to be more realistic and he toned down his rhetoric but a lot of people were still sort of shocked with how small the number he was predicting well he's projecting. let he's let the the population explode in terms of size so it you know being realistic is not dealing with the issue in his in his way we have the we have a blitz policy and program for homelessness effectively under prior mayors, all service to homeless folks was measured. The non-for-profits, the advocates for homeless, everything was measured under prior mayors. Length of stay, quality of care, recidivism, meaning are people just cycling back and forth between the shelters. And right now that's not being done. So we've gone from 40,000 people in shelters to 70,000. 
New Yorkers think that he's going to keep expanding. He's talking about homeless shelters in 90 new neighborhoods around the city where no one wants them. He just needs to deal with the problem that we have and get people from support from shelters to supportive housing to permanent housing by measuring the quality of our service. We've got homeless advocates out there who are good quality operators and some are poor. The mayor is reacting towards volume, not quality. So again, he's going to keep increasing our homelessness population. And that doesn't count the people on the street. I've been out on the street with homeless organizations. I, 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 I uh, participated in the Hope Count a month or so back where I was out on the street from midnight till 3 in the morning as a volunteer, and I was given a section of Midtown West, and there was a homeless person on every single block, one or more homeless per person on every single block, uh, without exaggeration. So we've got ten to 20,000 people who are uncounted, who are cycling between the streets, Rikers Island, and occasionally a shelter, and we need to help those people. So I'm hearing, but I'm hearing, you know, better management as sort of a general principle, better metrics. Correct. Are there other specific things that you'd point to at this point that you would do day one or day within 100 days? Our homelessness crisis policy is due out in a couple of weeks. We're, uh, we've released education, uh, public safety. Uh, we're releasing infrastructure and transit this week, which is very, very exciting. And we're, we've got in-depth policy for all the important issues New Yorkers care about. With infrastructure, we've got some quick fixes to the issues that we're dealing with in the subway, the overcrowding, the delays, the broken down trains. Um, and we're also, we've also got immediate responses to the fact that our roads are clogged, potholes. Um, when I started this a year ago, nobody was talking about the issues the same way they are about subways and infrastructure now. Again, it's the mayor not being proactive about our transportation needs and bringing us to crisis point. Let's talk more about that infrastructure plan because I know that's being unveiled this week. Sure. Talk about the quick fixes and also talk about the kind of bigger ideas that, uh, that drive that plan. So the quick fixes are around, uh, to begin with, the subway system. We can immediately begin working on switches and signal improvements that will radically improve our subway performance. These are things that are already budgeted, already in place, but the mayor needs to advocate for them in a way that he's not. He's blaming the governor. He hates the governor. He's blaming the governor for our MTA issues. That's not the job of the mayor. The job of the mayor is to advocate for all New Yorkers. He has influence, just if nothing else, on the bully pulpit, getting up there, advocating for what we need to do. And he hasn't been doing it, so we're in this jam, right? A lot of our traffic issues are management issues. Again, coming back to Ben's point, that yes, I, defa I default to systematized management because people want the trash taken out. People want their streets plowed. I, the mayor is, uh, is in the Daily News recently saying that he doesn't want to be the pothole mayor. And I was giving a talk a couple of weeks ago in Brooklyn where I was saying, look, I'll be the pothole mayor. I'll, I'll get behind a plow um, and drive the trucks if people aren't getting dug out in Brooklyn and Queens. When I made that statement at a public speech, I get a text from a city employee saying, you can't do that. 
you need a commercial driver's license. I told him, I'm going to get myself a commercial driver's license and get behind the plow and get my, hand, my sleeves rolled up. That's the kind of mayor I'll be. So we, we need to focus on that. To further answer your question, we have major infrastructure ideas that some of which are already in the works that we need to push along um, that can make this the, make our transportation the best it's ever been in New York. Five major projects. We're rolling out the first one on Wednesday. It's the G Loop. It's a fix to the L train issue, which again, not capital intensive, and makes me scratch my head about why the mayor hadn't come up with this on his own. But we've got infrastructure ideas all around the city that will affect in multiple ways, multiple boroughs, and every borough. So we're thinking comprehensively, and we're thinking in a big way that uh, the mayor hasn't. Just quick follow-up on that. Do you think in order to fully implement those ideas and to get the kind of transit system we need, should the mayor have control of the MTA, or will your ideas work within the current framework of you know, being controlled by an outside authority where the governor wields most of the power? Yeah, I... Uh, in my core, I'm a control person. I think the mayor should have control, ideally, because so much of the uh, what goes on in the MTA is fundamentally uh, part of New York City, and I'll 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 seek that. I think um, at the very least, I'm a consensus builder, so I'll work with whoever the governor is on getting things right. Um, but I'll I'll be someone who works side by side with the governor control of the MTA or not, and the federal government, by the way. The current mayor has poor relationships on the federal level, poor relationships on the state level, and it's shortchanging New Yorkers, all 8.5 million of them. So let's talk about sort of the stat. uh, We're digging into policy, which is great. That's a huge portion of a mayoral race, but there's also sort of the politics aspect of it. So um, give us a little bit of an assessment. So we're midway through June now. We're less than three months from the primary, and you got to win the primary first before you take on Bill de Blasio, although you do have the Independence Party line, so mm-hmm. you could always uh, run on that. But you're, you're in the Republican primary. You're, you're locked in basically a head-to-head uh, matchup there with Assemblymember Nicole Maliotakis from mm-hmm. Staten Island and part of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So give us a little bit of sort of an assessment of where that race is, how you um, differ from her, and how you defeat her in the GOP primary. Yeah. So I admire Nicole's uh, public service. I think, uh, I think that is, uh, that's a good thing. I think this will be, again, come back to a referendum on who can beat Bill de Blasio and who's the anecdote to, to uh, Bill de Blasio. So if you think about Bill de Blasio, I'm the opposite of him in every way. I'm completely independent. And that means that I have not taken money from special interest groups. I have not taken PAC money. I have not taken money from animal rights groups that will make me run around Central Park trying to get rid of the horse and buggies. Um, That's the kind of mayor we've had in the past, and that's the kind of mayor we need now. Bill de Blasio is admitting he's got City Hall for sale. If you provide him with money, he will do favors to you. He admits it. Um, That has caused all kinds of Sorry, I have to how does he admit? How does how has he admitted that? He admits that he helps and does business with people who are donating money to him. Gotcha. I am on the record as saying, when I'm mayor, I will take no money from anyone who's doing business with the city. Okay. It's simple. It's clean. 
the issue with Bill de Blasio and, and having a for sale sign on City Hall is that there's all kinds of corruption and suggestions of corruption, and we waste millions of dollars. The city taxpayers have spent $18 million so far defending city employees from accusations of corruption. The mayor's corrupt. The mayor has taken legal fees uh, or free legal advice uh, to the tune of possibly half a million dollars with no ability to repay. You know, no ordinary person can get that business arrangement. This law firm is doing business with the city to make matters more complicated. So it, it, it's so a, the opposite of Bill de Blasio, but Nicole Maliotakis, what's the, you know, it seems like um, she sort of has quickly taken the campaign in a little bit more of a negative direction than um, it seemed like you want to go. You seem like you want to run more of sort of a positive campaign. She's come out on the attack against you, and I think your campaign has responded in kind a little bit. But sort of how do you assess, she calls herself the real Republican in the race. Do you have a yeah. response to that? Yeah, I, I think, look, I, I am never going to make this personal. It's not who I am. I think uh, the fact that she's done that is unfortunate. We're not going to respond because, again, if, if you look back, uh, oh, no, if you look ahead at what this is going to be about, it's going to be about who can beat Bill de Blasio. And um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to run a negative campaign. Uh, there's no point to it. People, uh, we want people to know who I am, know that I'm independent, know that I've had success creating jobs, know that, you know, if you talk to anybody at our company, my partners, our employees, uh, people we've done business with, people who supported us, and people in the community, they know that we had a company that has a great culture and, and was highly profitable, highly effective, and that should be a mirror into how we need City Hall to be run. So I don't think we need another Nicole. I don't think we need another Bill de Blasio. We do not need a career old-school politician. We don't need that anymore, and everybody that I'm talking to says that. So we need to move away from that old-school, uh, you know, why the double standard? How can, we, how, can it, how can corruption and selling favors be okay in the old-school political world when in my business... I wouldn't be the CEO of my business if I was doing the things that Bill de Blasio is doing now. So, uh, Campaigns and governing are different, but the way one runs a campaign sometimes says something about management abilities and capacities, priorities. Your campaign has, has amassed a fair amount of money uh, in its coffers, but it's also spent quite a bit of money. Do you feel like you've gotten the, the bang you wanted out of that buck, and how do you manage to compete not just against Molly Takis, but against de Blasio and will be a fairly large war chest if you make it to the final round of September, October, November. Yeah, we. Um, I feel great about our campaign. We have raised records amounts of money and um, we'll continue to do that. I don't, I don't think our campaign will ever lack for resources, but the, the thing uh, that we're going to focus on, or that we have focused on, is putting the best people in place. We've brought in great, talented people and have done just what I did in our business. And we did it early. And, um, I, and those I, are the people doing what for you? Helping craft policy? All, what else? All yeah. craft policy, uh, the big you know fundraise, get out the vote, um, efforts, coalition building, all the things that a good campaign has. Mm -hmm. And I've enjoyed working with all of them. And uh, 
of, of like being out on the campaign trail. I haven't had a bad day yet. Um, I've met a lot of great people. I've learned a ton. And um, I'm doing a lot of listening, too. I think that contrasts with the mayor as well. Um, the mayor's a poor listener. And a good CEO, executive manager, is someone who listens. You've got to hear what people have to say. People in, uh, in our organization always knew that I, I had an ear for them. I always wanted to know how they were doing uh, with our work. I always wanted to know how they were doing personally. And I've approached uh, campaigning the same way. I'm out listening to people. I'm out asking them questions. I'm probing a little bit because I want to find out what's really important to them. And I've learned a lot. And I'm grateful to everyone who's talked to me out on the campaign trail. What do you say and what do you hear in uh, communities of color in the city? That's obviously the current mayor's base. Yeah. Um, you know, do you feel, speaking kind of candidly, can you win uh, only with the fight vote? And if you want or need more than that, how do you how do you achieve that? How do you tap break into uh, De Blasio's strength in those communities? Yeah, you know, I. No one should do this job or seek this job who isn't the mayor for 8.5 million people. And again. I embrace diversity. I think it's the strength of our city. I think I, I think I probably already said this. This is why we're here. We all want to live in a diverse place, and we all want to live as one. Bill de Blasio is promoting a tale of two cities, us against them, rich against poor. I'm the opposite of that. Uh, I'm going to build consensus in communities, and I'm out talking to every community. And I'll tell you what I'm hearing in a lot of minority communities, which is that we were promised school choice, and we don't have it. We were promised job opportunities, and we don't have it. And there's a boiling frustration out there about this mayor on those two issues. We need to focus on those critical issues for every community, by the way. So with education, which is something I'm passionate about because I grew up in a neighborhood where if the teacher hadn't sent me to the right school, I might not be sitting here right now. So I know what teachers can do for people because I'm one of them. And we need to provide communities with parent choice. And what that means is not solely lifting you know, restrictions on charter schools, some of whom are doing great work. We need to support religious schools, parochial schools, and not forget about our conventional public schools, too. Um, under Mayor Bloomberg, he opened 50 vocational and training, uh, technical training schools. So what that's doing is admitting not every single New York City kid is going to college. But what other opportunities are we providing for kids? They should have a great opportunity to build, a, you know, have a great career, live in the city. We need a, we need a middle class in the city. We, we need it. And the livability in New York City is at risk. Our, our, our ability to live in this city altogether is at risk. And that is the core issue of my campaign. So I just I want to return to... Um, the, the primary competition for, for a minute. Um, two questions. One, if you're not successful in the GOP primary, you have the Independence Party line, would you run on the Independence Party line and try to win as an independent, so to speak? Independence Party is obviously different than running as an independent, but is that something you would do for the general election? We're going to ask the same question to Nicole about yeah, her sure. conservative party line. Sure. I, I'm convinced that I'm going to win um, each of the party lines that I'm seeking. 100% convinced. So it's hard for me to, to speculate about something that 
I don't think is going to happen. You're not a career politician, but that's a very good sort of political, you know, seasoned politician answer. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Um, maybe. I hope I'm not learning too much, but I'll answer the question yeah. and say I've committed to the Independence Party that I'm running uh, no matter what. Okay. So um, that's your non-political answer. Very good. And, <laughs> and so in terms of just, I know you, again, refocus on Bill de Blasio, but I think what you said is telling, if I'm correct in my interpretation, which is that your pitch to especially Republican voters in this primary is Nicole Malitakis cannot beat Bill de Blasio in the general. Is that because she's too conservative and you're more of, you know, you've talked about sort of modeling yourself more in the Michael Bloomberg, um, you know, you've said I'm the non-political candidate. You, you're not an ideologue. Is that so? Is that your pitch is saying once we get to the general I can create a map because I can get some of those Democrats that voted Bloomberg and I can, you know, is that is that the thinking there? Look, good Republicans are good New Yorkers. So good New Yorkers care about the same fundamental things. They want to deal with the quality of life issues that we have, the transportation nightmare, the summer of hell that we're dealing with now. It affects everybody out there. Republican party people care about those things. They also care about our schools the same way that I do, that we've got a public school system that's broken. And we've got a crisis, another crisis, with affordable housing. That's my business. I'm a real estate guy. I've, I've been in the real estate business for 30 years. I understand all the dynamics around affordable housing. Now, since the mayor hates the governor, we're cutting off all the major levers to creating affordable housing putting at risk our ability to not just make our city livable, but you know, potentially risking not even having an ability to have a middle class here. So I'll get along with whoever the governor is, and we'll get state funding, federal funding, and um, put in place tax abatement programs that create housing in neighborhoods that want it. One of the things I've done is gone around the city and talked to a lot of people about the issue of affordability. Not every community is, is dying for more affordable housing. But there are plenty of communities in New York that want it, and it will fix uh, the fact that the rent's too damn high. That Jimmy McMillan character, has he, he's nailed it. He's a marketing genius. But it's a serious issue because we've got at our middle class at risk. So last question, sure. which is... I might jump in with one more. Sure. <laughs> last question from me. Yeah. Uh, Bill de Blasio's record, you've talked a lot about it uh, with a fair amount of disdain. What is one thing that de Blasio has gotten right that if you're elected you will continue to do? Good question. I think I, uh, I, I first of all, I'm, since I'm not a politician, I, uh, I'm not, you know, negative all the time. And I'll give him, I'll give him universal uh, pre-K. I think that that's a win. I'm not sure the execution's been good on it. I, I know half the people don't have it yet. Um, but that, that, that was a good idea. Um, again, You've got Bill de Blasio coming into work at noon, three days a week, campaigning out of a bar in Brooklyn. Um, no normal person. You know, I think a lot of people would like to be hanging out in a bar all day, but um, somebody running an $85 billion budget uh, can't be doing that. We, we need a new mayor. If Bill de Blasio was home sleeping away and he had a vision for a good idea for New York, he can't execute on it. That's a fundamental problem. A manager, CEO, mayor 
needs to have strategic ideas that people are aligned around, and he he can um, and he can execute. If right, Bill Blasio has a good idea, he can't execute on it. I will take that privilege to follow up on that, which is so. People who are dissatisfied with the mayor hear you say that, and it sounds good to them. But then they say, "I don't, I have, I don't really know Paul Massey. I haven't really heard of you. I hear that you've been successful. You obviously have financial resources because you're able to not take public funds and put some of your own money into your campaign, etc." Do you know city government well enough? Are you prepared to be mayor? You talk about the eighty-five billion dollar budget. Do you know the ins and outs of that? You know, one thing that people can say about Bill de Blasio, again, you could talk the flip side about career politician, but city council, public advocate, you know, sort of new city government well. Mm -hmm. Whatever you think of how that's worked out, do you know city government well enough? Are you versed enough in the ins and outs other than in housing and real estate? Absolutely. I've uh, I've spent time with uh, people who have had this job. I've spent a lot of time with people who have been around this job. And I understand what goes on in each of the city's 53 departments and how they run. And I've spent enough time to know that I'll do a great job as the mayor. And again, it comes back down to not just me. Uh, one, of the, one of the keys to my success or our company's success was that we had fantastic managers. You need to attract great management to City Hall under prior mayors. You knew who their deputies were. You knew they were effective. They were externally facing. Uh, we don't have that same level of coordination and management now. And the only one to blame is Bill de Blasio. Just last week, you've got um, a, a, a New York Times article saying that women are fleeing the mayor, uh, fleeing City Hall by the dozens because uh, these are folks who came down to the City Hall, uh, mission-driven, hardworking, talented people not going there for a pay raise, leaving out of frustration about this current administration, some of them leaving because of the condescending management style of the mayor, and some of them leaving because they're saying it's a hostile work environment. My business had fantastic, talented women all throughout it. In fact, our whole recruiting department was female because in the commercial real estate business, we had to sell people on the opportunity of commercial real estate. Um, but the culture was completely different than the one in City Hall now. Well, Paul Massey, we thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be following you on the campaign trail. Thanks, guys. We've said goodbye to mayoral candidate Paul Massey, uh, Ben Max here with Jarrett Murphy. Jarrett, what's your uh, initial reaction to our talk with Paul? Well, I thought, you know, compared to what I've read about earlier interviews, that he was pretty well prepared. Uh, you know, a likable guy, certainly. Um, he has, a, there's a cogent rationale for his candidacy, which is mainly around issues of management and the idea that the city is being poorly managed now. I think where I have questions about just the viability of his run is whether people really, really feel in their hearts that the city is that poorly managed now. I know that is the book on de Blasio. I know de Blasio does a lot to firm that idea up. Um, but, you know, in terms of the stuff that has traditionally really mattered in campaigns, garbage on the streets, crime in the streets, the jobs picture, 
Uh, I don't know if there's a sense of crisis that really lends itself to a pure management candidate, which is what he's building himself as. Right. I mean, the mayor has been very fortunate with the state of the economy and other things, crime, you know, and again, you could say fortunate and good at some of the things he's done. You know, I, I don't know where right now I'm ready to drop that credit versus luck uh, line. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, I still, the, the last question I asked him about his preparation and his knowledge of city government, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's that easy of a question to answer without a 20 minute answer. I'm not sure. I mean, he gave a solid answer, but that's something to me that he still has to prove is his real command of city government and being able to talk about it, you know, to be able to, you know, we asked sort of, what 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 are you gonna what would you do about homelessness other than quote unquote better management or tracking more? And he said, oh, our plan is coming. But to not be able to sort of engage in some of that discussion on the spot, I think, has been part of the questions around his candidacy, and and will remain so until people who know city government very well, like the journalists who cover it and others, you know, really sort of feel that. Yeah, and I think, and this is hard for someone who's running against a person to do, but to acknowledge some of the complexities of running the city that de Blasio has encountered, sometimes with success, sometimes not. I mean, Massey said that he thought de Blasio was looking for volume, not quality, in his homelessness problem programs. Uh, but the fact is, homelessness is a volume problem, and the volume that was stated by uh, by Mr. Massey may have been a little exaggerated. It went really from 50 to 60,000, not 40 to 70. But, you know, de Blasio has a legal mandate to provide shelter and has had to uh, ramp up that capacity very quickly, and that's led to things like cluster sites and hotel usage. So to some degree, while quality is great, de Blasio hasn't had the, the, you know, the opportunity to maybe uh, focus on it as much in, in the early rounds, and you know, I don't know how much Massey would as mayor. Right. One of the other things that struck me was, you know, he seemed very much focused on Bill de Blasio, focused on Bill de Blasio. I can, I'm the one that can beat de Blasio, but he's got a tough primary here. He's got a lot more money than Assemblymember Nicole Maliotakis. We'll talk to her, hopefully, in the near future. Um, but he's got a tough battle there, and he clearly has his negative talking points about the mayor down, and he's using them. He is seems a little less, you know... Um, excited to really discuss her and her candidacy and wants to sort of look past it and just get through this Republican primary. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's obviously that the race is a referendum on the mayor for an incumbent, someone challenging an incumbent. That's always the case. And I think the case is going to be that he is just the better positioned person to challenge him. Uh, you know, not building up your opponent because there's be a way to, to achieve that. The danger for him, obviously, is it's probably going to be a low turnout primary that's when you get activist voters. Those people might be more sort of Nicole Maliotakis country, um, but it's all a matter of whether he can really firm up that management electability argument that really is, I think, the strength of his pitch to Republican voters. Yeah, I think this Republican primary is going to be quite fascinating, and uh, it's telling that he's won the Independence Party line where she's won the Conservative Party line, and now we have to see what GOP primary voters want more, right? Do they want the more moderate guy who maybe has a better shot in the general election against de Blasio, or do they want the more base, uh, you know, conservative Republican who, again, I mean, who knows what her chances would be? She's also sort of bounced around the political spectrum a little bit. Right. And I think it's very interesting that he has pledged to um, to campaign on that line. Obviously, you can do that to varying degrees of enthusiasm should you not get the GOP line. But it is interesting, you know, if you believe polls, the anti-de Blasio segment of the population uh, is at this point not the majority, um, but it also certainly is 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 not. Um, I mean, it's it's significant, 
but it would be very difficult to split that vote and have any hope of defeating the mayor. So I think that if the primary gets nasty, if there's a feeling like there is going to be a viable third-party candidate, then the math gets much more favorable for de Blasio, even if he doesn't get the majority of votes, that he can still prevail. Right. We have a lot more to dissect there. The wheels are, are turning here at Max and Murphy, but we'll leave it there for now. We're going to be joined in the coming weeks by uh, Democratic candidate Sal Albanese and, and Assemblymember Maliotakis running in the Republican primary, and we'll, we'll start putting the pressure on the mayor to, uh, to join us as well.